Well, hey, everybody, good to see you today. My name is Nate. I'm so glad that you're here, especially if it's your first time. And if you don't know, just across the hall in our centrum, we have a video venue. And would you welcome them in right now just to say, hey, I want to let them know that we are glad they are here, even though they're in another room. And if you haven't been with us in this series called Road Trip, Finding Our Way Home, we've been walking through the book of Exodus because God rescues his people, the Israelites, all that you read throughout the Old Testament, the whole story of them is really a foreshadowing of God's story in our life about how he rescued them out of slavery and he gives them a new identity and this is what happens when you and I place our faith in Jesus because what he did on the cross he rescues us from our sin and he says you are no longer defined by your past you're no longer defined by your failure you are now defined by me and my grace for you and he gives us a new identity and this is why Exodus is so important because all of us ask this question at one point in our life or not. Who am I? And what am I worth? And what is my value in this life? And instead of judging our value by what we do or what others think about us, we say, God, our value is found in you. That's why last week we looked at this idea of our identity in Exodus chapter 19, where God says to the Israelite people, he says, you want to know who you are? Here's who you are. And it's the same about who we are in Christ today. He says, you are my treasured possession You are mine. You are my treasured possession. I love you. I made you. I know you. I love you. Not only are you my treasured possession, he says you are a kingdom of priests, which means this, you and I are to be pastors in this world. And not only are we to be pastors in this world to one another, he says you are to be a holy nation. We are to be this people that go together. It's not just about you and God. It is about us and Jesus together moving forward. And I know this as a parent, there's times in our lives that we don't know what to do when parenting situations come up. Matter of fact, the season that we find ourselves in and the season I'm finding myself in is I'm having some really hard, difficult conversations with my seven-year-old daughter, Lily. And that one of the greatest things that we can do as a church and as leaders is partner with you guys to pastor your family. Matter of fact, I want to let you guys know about something that we're doing this Wednesday and next Sunday afternoon. It's called a care night, and uh, we're doing this. Our kids' side family is doing this in the midst of the loss of Calla Woods, Ben Woods' daughter, who's our college-age pastor. If you don't know the story, you can check it out on Facebook. Uh, you know, just different stories are going on with this about how God is ministering. Leave that slide up real quick. I want to make sure you guys have this information because this is really important. I, I, I need this information. What we're going to be doing is we're going to be bringing in expert counselors to give us clarity about how do we talk with our kids and how do some of you, you know, you guys are teachers, you're coaches, you're having these hard conversations right now in our community and we want to equip you with every insight and wisdom that God has for you to bring comfort in the midst of hardship. And this is this Wednesday night, 6.30, 8.30, we'll have child care provided and next Sunday night as well. It's free. You guys can just show up for that. Uh, but we know this. God is saying, I want to use you to bring hope into the world. And, and matter of fact, tomorrow everything's going to change. Traffic's going to get bad, so we're going to pray for you. All right, you know, already as we start driving and school buses are showing up. But I want to do this real quick. Before we kind of get rolling, uh, can all of the teachers and like school administrators and coaches, can you guys stand up for a second? We're going to embarrass the daylights out of you, all right? Can you guys just stand up for a second? Now stay standing, stay standing, stay standing. 
Stay standing. I, you're sitting down in the back. You got to stand up. I saw you. Yeah, you in the front row in the back. I saw you. Don't sit down yet. Here's the deal. I'm going to pray for you guys, but I just want you all to know, this is, the, this is where sometimes we disconnect and we think stuff like this. It's the pastor's job to pastor this community. I want to remind you, you school teachers and administrators, people who are maintenance workers at the school, coaches, as a parent, I just want to let you guys know, you spend more time with kids than parents do. Think about that. You spend more time with them. The way that God wants to work through you, what tomorrow will bring, I'm telling you, God has a good work for you to do this year. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you guys, okay? Father, for these people in this room, God, it doesn't matter if they're a coach, it doesn't matter if they're a school teacher or a principal or superintendent or a teacher's aide, a maintenance worker at school. Father, they are bringing your light into the world. And so, Lord, just in this moment, I pray for them. I pray that you would protect their hearts, that, God, you would protect their minds. Father, they never really hear compliments. They only hear complaints. And yet there you are, God, working in them in a powerful way. And so, God, we pray for them. Lord, would they understand the work that you want to do through them? God, would they be reminded of who they are in you, Jesus, and that you have a great work to do in and through them this year? And, Father, may we see this community experience and know you more by their presence in the schools this year. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for them. We thank you for their influence in this community and in our lives. Jesus, protect them and lead them and give them courage to be your servants this year. And Father, it's in your name that we pray. And everybody said together, amen. Let's give them a big hand one more time. I'm telling you, God has a journey for all of us. He said, this is who I've called you to be, and I want you to go on a journey with me. And uh, I remember the time, uh, sometimes it gets scary when we go on a journey with God because sometimes we can feel like we get lost as we follow him, and we're going, God, I I've taken this next step, but it seems like you've gone silent, and I don't know where you are. And we kind of, we hate that feeling of being lost, don't we? You know, we don't, we don't like to be lost. That's why I like to get to places early, so that way I can have that buffer zone. I remember the time that I, I was the most lost when I was driving, I was helping uh, in college. College, at Bible college at a youth group and the youth minister had a red-eye flight out of O'Hare. I was at a Bible college in Illinois. He said, hey, can you one of your buddies drive me up to O'Hare? And so we did. We're like, this is going to be awesome, man. We're going to drive through Chicago, you know, at midnight. It's going to be so cool. We even bought Jolt Cola. If anybody remembers Jolt, you know, you know, pounded a couple Jolts, man. We're driving at midnight through Chicago and then we're driving back and I, you know, I'm from, I'm really from here. I'm not really from Illinois, so I don't really know. And I miss our exit to go on high Highway 55 back down. The rest, you know, that's all you got to do is got to take Highway 55 out of Chicago. You'll go the rest of Illinois. And, uh, you know, here we are about midnight, 1230 morning. And I just blow by that exit. I'm just driving, man. It's pitch black. I don't know what's going on. And after a while, if you leave Chicago a little bit, you'll notice real quick that it gets real dark when you get outside of Chicago. And I remember I was driving, it got real dark. And I'm like, I, I don't feel like we're on the right route. And uh, we were driving home, and then uh, it's about 1 a.m. at this time. And then anybody ever heard of this city called Gary, Indiana? 
did you know you're not supposed to be there at one in the morning, right? I didn't know that. And if you've been to Gary, man, they, they've got these like creepy factories down at the lake. And then I see the sign, home of Michael Jackson, you know, and I see the factories, I see this sign and I'm waiting for like thriller, man. I'm like, like waiting for like zombies to come walking out. And I remember we, did, we just pulled off the road. We didn't know where we were. We didn't know what, what we were gonna do. And we just pulled into this hotel and we walked into the front desk and the person just kind of had this bug eye looked at us. We said, hey, we don't know where we are. And they go, where are you trying to go? We're trying to go to Lincoln, Illinois. We don't know, you know, and they're like, well, you're in Indiana. And, uh, <laughs> and they go, you need to get back on the highway as fast as you can and get to 55 and go south. And I remember we just drove out of there. But there was just this weird feeling. Just this feeling of, man, I don't know where I am, but I won't lie, in that moment, I never wanted to be home so bad. You ever been there? Man, you just, your heart you go, man, I'm just lost in life, and I crave home. I want to be home. You know what's so fickle about home a little bit? And I don't know if you've experienced it this summer or not, but what's so funny about home is this. Oftentimes, we get sick of home, and so we go on vacation, don't we? And then we get on vacation, and we say this. I think I'm ready to what? I'm ready to go home. You're like, well, I thought you were sick of home, and now we're sick of vacation. And then we get home again, and in a couple of weeks, we're like, all right, I'm sick of home, fall break, we're back out of here. And it's so funny how home can be fickle. And a matter, of, matter of fact, for some of you, maybe you grew up in a home, maybe for some of you, you've raised your kids, you've raised your family in the same home, and somebody will ask you a question, you think you'll stay in that house forever? Absolutely, I'm going to stay in this house forever until you become what one calls empty nest. And then you go, why are you moving out? You go, it's just not home anymore. My kids are gone. Everything's kind of, it's just not home anymore. And it's so funny as we begin to think about what home is, and we talked about this series, finding our way home, and God is saying, I want you to find your way home. As a matter of fact, all of the Old Testament points to Jesus. So I, wanna, I just want to look at a phrase from Jesus that's going to help us understand as we finish the book of Exodus. Because Jesus in his prayer, and this is the Lord's prayer, if you know this in Matthew chapter 6, he actually defines what home looks like for us who follow him and who follow God. For so many times we're trying to make things feel like home and we go, man, home can shift. And listen to what he says in Matthew chapter 6 verse 10. If you know this Lord's Prayer, he prays this. He says, you know, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then he says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Listen to what he says. In his prayer, he says this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on where? On earth as it is in heaven. And in this moment, we just think he's praying something, going, yeah, his kingdom and your will. And what he's doing is this. God is defining what home looks like through Jesus' prayer. He's going, your kingdom come, your will be done, your home come here. And what Jesus is defining for us today, for our hearts and our life as followers of him, you might want to write this down. Jesus is revealing that our home isn't a place. Our home is the presence of God in our lives. You may change jobs, you may change homes, you may change cities, but God's presence never changes. 
Your life situation might change. I'll tell you this much, the season of where we are as a church, we've never been here before. And just because we've never been here before doesn't mean God's presence hasn't been here before. And Jesus in this moment is saying, if you want to understand what it looks like to have your heart be at home, even in the midst of the circumstances that you are, even in the midst that everything's about ready to change. For some of you, you're about ready to ship off to college and everything's going to change for you. And he's saying in the middle of that, it's home isn't a place. It is the presence of God. See, this is the beauty of the Bible. Over and over again, you see this. God is moving in. God is not a deist God. If you don't know what a deist means, a deist believes that God created the earth, but he kind of wound it up like a clock. He started it and then he disengaged. And God says, no, 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 no. I didn't just create it and disengage. I created it. And even though we are sinful people, God is constantly engaging us. This is why at Christmas time, we celebrate this phrase and this identity of who Jesus is when it says he is Emmanuel. And if you remember what Emmanuel means, it means God with us us, that God is making his home with us, his presence. It's not just a place. It's his presence that is our home. Matter of fact, this is what we find in Exodus chapter 20, right after we get the Ten Commandments. Most people quit reading Exodus after that, which by the way, you know, if you're having trouble sleeping, go ahead and read Exodus chapter 21 through 31. You'll fall asleep real quick. You're like, man, I'm having trouble reading or sleeping. Then I started reading the Bible. I love the Bible, right? You know, sleep's going. <laughs> and this is, but this is what happens. We read the Ten Commandments, and a lot of times we'll quit reading Exodus, and we miss it. And I've missed this before. And this is what it says in Exodus chapter 20, verse 18. Because God says, no, 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 I have home for you, but home isn't a place. Home is my presence in your life. No matter your circumstance, home is my presence. And listen to what he says in verse 18. I've totally missed this. It said when the people, this is right after the Ten Commandments, and it said when the people saw the thunder and the lightning and they heard the trumpet of God and they saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear. Anybody remember Mount St. Helens when that erupted? I think it was back in like 80 or 81. Dude, everybody was like, get out of there. You know, here's this massive mountain smoke and fire's about ready to come out of there. Here the Israelites see, they see the presence of God on Mount Sinai and they see it and they feared it. And listen what, they, listen what it said. It said, they stayed at a distance. And they said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. But Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. You want to know why the presence of God is so important in your life? It's the presence of God that keeps you and I from sinning. It's not about how good you are. It's not about how disciplined you are. We are broken people. This is why we need God to make his presence in our life because God knows this. You can't follow me as I want you to follow me. You're broken people. This is why I'm coming to give you my presence so that it'll keep you from sinning so that you'll be able to walk in the ways. And then listen to what it says in verse 21. But the people remained at a distance. Here God brings his presence to them and they remain at a distance. 
while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. Can I just let you know this year, the call for God and the opportunity that you and I have this year as we begin a new school year, as, our, as we're kind of the new schedules happening is this, the invitation of what God's presence has for us is this, and this is the choice that you and I are going to make this year. God's presence is here, and the choice that you and I have to make is this, either we're going to stay at a distance or we're going to approach the presence of God. That's the choice that you and I have this year. Over and over again, God's presence is going to be here. Circumstances are going to happen. And God is going to say, are you going to just stay at a distance or are you going to approach me? This is what I love about this. You might want to write this down, that God is not waiting for our perfection. He's not waiting for you to get your life together. All God is simply saying is this, I want your presence. All I want you to do is approach me. It is my presence that will heal you. It is my presence that will protect you. It is my presence that will keep you from sinning. Isn't it funny? We go and we buy self-help books because we know we can't help ourselves. And then our option is, I think I'm going to read more about how I can help myself. And you go, no, 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 that's the point. You don't know how to help yourself. And see, this is why the presence of God is so important. Because the presence of God comes in and it brings a holy, not just fear of God, it brings a holy awe of God that leads us into this new life. This is why the, the half-brother of Jesus, James, who actually growing up, I don't know if you know this, the, the author of the book of James, he actually didn't believe in Jesus growing up. You imagine Jesus living in that household. Hey guys, uh, I'm the son of God. Yeah, right. You know, you quit making this up. Yeah, all of a sudden, hey, Jesus didn't grow up, his family didn't even believe in him. His mother did, but his brothers didn't. And later on, his brother becomes a believer. And listen to what James says in James chapter 4, verse 7 through 10. He finally figures it out and he begins to draw near to the presence of God. And he says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And listen to what James says, come near to God and he will come near to you. He's not saying, hey, I'm not here. What he's saying is, I'm already here. And when you come near to me, you're going to experience me. But all God's saying is this, would you come near to me? Don't stay at a distance this year. Northside family, may this be a year that we approach God's presence in our life like we never have before. May, may we lean in to the presence that is already here. And he goes on to say this, wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, because here's what happens. When we humble ourselves before the Lord, he will lift you up. If your heart is not home today, God is simply saying this, all I want you to do is just approach me. I don't need you to have your act together. Matter of fact, I'll be the one by the power of the Holy Spirit that will change your life. All you need to do is approach me. Don't stay at a distance. Just begin to approach me. Exodus chapter 21 through 31, what happens over the next 10 chapters is God begins to lay out for the Israelites, what does it look like to have the tabernacle, what would, which would house the presence of God. It would be in the center of the people. This is what God is saying. He's going, you will be my people as my presence is with you. And for the next 10 chapters, he lays out what does it look like to house the presence of God. 
And he goes on to talk about what the tabernacle is to look like. And listen why he describes this. Listen why he wants his presence with his people. He says this in verse 8 of chapter 25. He says, then have them make a sanctuary for me. And here's God's heart. I will dwell among them. Do you know that God wants to dwell in your life? I mean, he wants to dwell in every moment. He wants to be in every disappointment. He wants to be in the midst of all of your fears. He's going, I want to dwell in your life. He says, make this tabernacle and all of its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. He's going, this is what I have for you. All the way throughout the Bible, over and over again, the whole story of the Old Testament, the story of the New Testament of Jesus is now Jesus' presence Fully God, becoming fully man, his presence here and giving us the Holy Spirit. See, this is often, especially the time that's really difficult for us and the time that we live today, it is so easy to be self-sufficient, isn't it? It's so easy. It's so easy, so much so that, man, we can just click a button, get our food, right? You can order toilet paper off of Amazon. It's brilliant, right? You don't even have to go to the store. Now we, you know, drive-thrus are amazing. We don't even have to hit the drive-thru now, right? DoorDash, bing, right? We don't, we don't even have to get in a car now. Man, it, we are so self-sufficient. And here's the problem. We can become so self-sufficient and never even realize that we're staying at a distance from God's presence. That we're staying at a distance. You know why you can't get over the addiction? You know why you can't get over the fear? You know why you can't get over the hurt? You know why you can't move forward? It's because you can't move forward without the presence of God. We can't move forward without his presence. His presence is our home. Chapter 32, listen to what it says in verse 1. It says, when the people saw that Moses was so Long and coming down from the mountain. I think in the Hebrew it translated, are we there yet? Right? You know, we, we see that when we go on a journey, we're like, are we, are we there, God? Are, 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 come on, God, you're taking forever. Some of you here today, you're like, God, I've been praying this forever. How long is it going to take? And it said, when people saw that Moses was so long and coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and they said, come, make us gods who will go before us as this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt. We don't know what's happened to him. We kind of, hey, God, I prayed about this. I approached you. You're not speaking my language as fast as I want to hear it. I'm on to the next God. And so this is what Aaron does. He goes around. He collects gold from everybody. Be like me walking around today. Everybody, anybody got some gold earrings? Put it in the bucket here. You know what I'm saying? We're going to go around. Aaron goes around. He collects everybody's gold earrings. He melts them down and he turns them into a golden calf. And listen to what it says in verse 4. It said, he took what they handed him and they made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Isn't it so funny that they were so quick? to turn their back on God. So quick to turn their back on the one who brought them out of slavery. And if you know anything about this story, God just didn't bring them out of slavery. God was dropping manna every morning for them. All they had to do was go out and pick it up. And it said this, that it was a sweet bread. I think the translation said this, it is from Jeff's Bakery. 
And uh, if anybody wants to taste and see the glory of God, go across the street after church. Our cholesterol as a staff has gone through the roof. And, uh, and God blesses them with bread. And then they go, God, that's not enough. We want quail. Enough of this vegan diet, you know. And he, brought, he drops quail onto them. And he provides for them and he delivers them. And here it is. God, you're not responding in the timing I want. Let's start worshiping other gods. And they forget the presence and the power of God in their life. Goes on to say this. Said when Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. What? See, this is the problem when we forget the presence of God. We do things that are kind of godly, but we do them on our terms. I'm going to worship this golden calf. I'm not going to deny God, but I'm going to kind of follow God however I want. I'm going I'm to do whatever I want. Come, let's do this. We'll do a festival to the Lord. So the next day, the people rose early and they sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Now, I'll be honest, I don't say the word revelry a whole lot, so I had to look it up. You know what revelry means, especially in this context? Here are all these people who are godly people, who the Israelites, they are to be about God's presence. They just went and got blasted, just got absolutely hammered. And not only revelry means just to get blasted drunk, it means you're sexually promiscuous. And sexually they did whatever they wanted. Absolutely drunk, absolutely doing whatever they wanted sexually. But I mean, I'm still an Israelite. Can we be honest? I think that's what the world really struggles with is when they see people who are Christians who claim Christ but don't follow the presence of God in their life. See, the presence of God is what keeps us from sin. It's not us that keeps ourselves from sin. It's the presence of God. It's the power of God in our life. Verse 7, then it said, the Lord said to Moses, go down because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. They've gone away. They've gone in a wrong direction. Here's what we got to understand. This is why the presence, this is why making God's presence our home is so important. Is because if we're not careful, we will worship our preferences more than we will worship the presence of God in our life. Can I be honest with you for a moment? Man, I'd rather just make church how I'd want. I'd rather just preach in some gym shorts and sandals and a t-shirt, right? Because that's my preference. Some of you are like, please don't ever do that. I know, that's why I'm looking halfway like an adult. But if we're not careful, here's what we'll do as Christians and followers of Jesus. We won't deny the presence of God, but we'll just live however we want. We gotta be careful that when it comes to God's presence, we don't worship our preferences more than just our prefer- our, the presence of God. Moses has to go and he has to go confront Aaron over this. He goes to Aaron in verse 21 of chapter 32. He says to Aaron, what did these people do to you that you led them in such 
great sin. They are lost. See, this is why sin is so dangerous. It loses your way from the presence of God. It doesn't just take you to Gary, Indiana. It takes you somewhere worse, all right? We're lost. Moses says, Aaron, what, what happened? And listen what Aaron's response. He, he's become so forgetful of God's presence. Listen to what he says. Oh, don't be angry, my Lord, Aaron answered. You know how prone these people are to evil. We say that, don't we? I mean, I'm a sinner. What do you expect from me? Well, God expects us to approach his presence, not stay at a distance, not use our excuses. I'm just an angry dude. It's the way I am. See, when we say that, what we say is this, God's presence can't change me. See how we got to be careful on this? God is saying, I want you to approach me because when you approach me, my presence becomes your home and it changes everything in you. Well, what happens, man, when we feel stuck? What happens today? You might feel that way. You might feel like you're just stuck. You're going, Nate, I'm lost right now. I'm trying to move forward. You know what you and I do? And this is what the Bible says. The, the Bible invites us to pour out our hearts to God. That's what, that's what Moses does in chapter 33, verse 12. He goes to God, and listen to what he says to God. Moses said to the Lord, he says, You've been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. My brother Aaron has let me down. He says, You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. And Moses tells God, he says, If you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. And then Moses kind of points his finger at God with this last phrase. He says, remember that this nation is your people. You ever said that to God? You remember, you put them with me. This is your fault. Listen to what God has to say in response. God can handle that, man. Listen to what God responds to Moses because your heart may be lost today and you need to hear this. Listen to what God tells Moses. Verse 14, then the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you what? Rest. God, life isn't working out the way I thought. I, I moved here. I, I gave up this career and I moved here and things aren't looking the way. God, I've lost a kid. God, this is going on. How do, this is your fault. How do I move forward? My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Are you approaching his presence or are you staying at a distance. See, the rest of what our heart needs lies within God. This is what is so beautiful about God is he calls us to himself and what he says is this, God is saying my presence is our resting place. 
God is saying, you are looking for a place. You're looking for a job. You're looking for a career. You're looking for a trophy wife. For some of you, you're looking to go to college because now you can start a new way, a new life. I'm going to make my own self. Hey, God, you know, I'm going to make my own career. I'm going to make my own path. Mom and dad, I'm sick of being in your house. I'm going to college. I'm going to make my own path. Can you give me 50 bucks, though? But God, you know, I'm my own man. Funny how that happens, right? You don't tell me what to do. Can you pay my bill, though? It says that I have a debt. See, our problem is this. We think there's all these things out here. The place of retirement is going to satisfy me. Not wrong to retire, but retirement is not the presence of God. Your career, God has called us to do a good work, but your career is not the presence of God. I love my kids, I'm to lead my kids, but my kids are not the presence of God. I love my wife, I wanna serve my wife, but my wife is not the presence of God. I wanna be a good man, but I am not the presence of God. My presence will go with you so that you may have rest. Are you leaning into the presence of God today? See, this is what changes everything. And what happens is this, the Israelites finally begin to lean into God's presence. They finally begin to say, God, okay, we've messed up bad and we are gonna approach your presence. And so the second, the rest of the Exodus, Exodus chapter 33 and into 40 is all about them leaning into the presence of God. And listen how it ends. This is what it says in the last four verses of Exodus chapter 40. It said in 34, it said, then the cloud covered the tent of meaning, meaning the presence of God. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle, God making his home among his people. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled upon it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In verse 36, in all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out out they began to realize no it's only the presence of God that is my home and life is only full of his peace when I go with him when I walk with him so the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day and fire was in the cloud by night and in the sight of all of the house of Israel during all their travels Israel finally figured out Home is not just a place. Home is not just the promised land. Home is the presence of God in our lives. And here's what they had to learn. Sometimes God doesn't move at our speed, does he? When the cloud rested, they waited. One of the toughest things we have to learn is this. We have to learn how to worship in our waiting. We got to learn how to worship in our waiting. God, I'm wanting you to do this. I'm wanting these things to change and we're not seeing things move and we're going, okay, God, but you're still, your presence is still here. I still need to lean into you. 
my relationships, my marriage isn't where I want it to be. That is why we need to worship. Man, my life, my inner life isn't where it's, man, I got messed up right. He's going to begin to worship, begin to put our eyes on him. And what he's saying is this, and what I'm longing for for us as a church is simply this, that we would let God's presence become our favorite place on earth. Man, that God's presence becomes our favorite place. And I'll tell you what, guys, it is scary when this happens. Because when his presence is our favorite place, that means we have to give him our plans. I got to let you know, this isn't just something for you. This is for me as well, because God's presence, kind of like the cloud, the Holy Spirit has been moving in the season. And, and the message that he gave me and the leadership, I had all of our fall series all planned out. I had a speaker booked. I had all this other stuff, all these great things. And in a meeting, we just said, hey, you know what, right now, I think the cloud's kind of moving and I think we need to do a different series. And I won't lie, it freaked me out. And you know why it freaked me out? Because I'm not in control. Did you know that Jesus is still the senior pastor of this church? I'm not. I'm like, Jesus, did you not see, right? You know what I'm saying? This is the good news that his presence is leading. And so next week, guys, it's God's fault if this doesn't work, all right? This is your sermon here. Here's what's happening. Next week, we're going to begin a series it's going to be a five-week series on prayer called Permission to Speak Freely. And we're going to walk through the Psalms because i got to let you know right now, guys, we don't know how to talk to God through our pain a whole lot, do we? And God goes, I want you to talk with me. And we're going to look through the Psalms and God is saying this, and this is what he's saying to me, and this is what he's saying to us as a church. He goes, the greatest thing you need right now as a church is my presence. It's my presence. In a moment, we're going to take communion. Our volunteers are headed back to get ready. And why we take this every week is we remember, oh, Jesus, you're not asking me to do better or to be better you're just simply asking me, Jesus, to approach you. Your presence is here. Your power is here. And all you're asking me to do is not stay at a distance, but lean in. Where do you need to lean in today? To the presence and the power of Jesus. Because he's here. And he changes everything. Let me pray for us, and then we'll take the bread and the juice. Father, this is scary stuff. Because God, in our honest moments, whether we've told anybody else or not, Father, our hearts are desperate for home when situations come up in our life that disappoint us, Father, when we're not where we want to be in life and we try harder to get there and it almost seems like the further we get from home. And yet here you are, Jesus, with us. Your presence and your power goes with us. And you give our hearts rest.
So Jesus, in this moment where we take communion, where we take the bread and the juice, we declare once again, there's no place on this earth that is home like your presence. Thank you for going to the cross, for taking our sin, for taking our shame, and giving us your peace. Jesus, thank you for leading us home. We worship you. We follow you. We trust you. And it's in your name that we pray. Everybody said together, amen.